0: Hello and welcome back to the Harbour Dupes podcast. I'm your host, Liam Horsley. And unfortunately, I'm not joined by my usual co-host, Ben Jones, uh, due to some work commitments. We can't record until the weekend, so uh, we're very lucky to have Joe Holbert on the podcast this coming Thursday evening. But for now, we just wanted to record a quick mini-pod with our thoughts on some games that have happened over the last week, uh, some thoughts for the conference finals predictions, and a little bit of draft lottery stuff. So we're going to be hearing from Ben again via some voice notes so that should be interesting but let's just kick it off with the first game we want to talk about uh, that was the bucks versus nets we had a game seven situation so i am going to pass over to ben so you can hear his thoughts on bucks versus nets game seven
1: hello liam hello everybody sorry i can't be with you again getting to the end of the school year very very busy Let's talk about the Nets and the Bucks to start with. What a series that was! Um, some unexpected twists and turns, uh, and it sours me to think that injuries seem to be the story throughout this playoff so far, and they continued in this series with lots of the Nets' big three in and out of the lineup throughout. Um, congratulations to the Bucks getting through nice to see them with some success in the playoffs i think Boonholzer has taken on the, the sort of feedback that his key guys do need to play more minutes but drew holiday and middleton need to step up throughout a entire series going forward rather than just odd games here and there janice plays super super well in the, in the first three quarters as he usually does it's just that fourth where um they might need some extra shooting that Giannis can't provide. He, he tends to struggle, but did very, very well against Durant. Um, switching on to the, the net side of things, I think these guys are definitely going to come back with a vengeance next season and stick together. I think that it seems to work. It's just a shame that um, they had those injuries. Uh, it just boils down to the fact that, you know, you know what big feet means, right? <laughs> it means it's a two instead of a three yeah so it's not always good to have those big feet is it it's just something to think about lads out there um yeah but what a series this was the battle back and forth the the play for durant harden hadn't even though he's back he wasn't looking himself he wasn't hitting the shots
0: like he normally does um yeah i think the net's gonna come back
1: incredible next season and um, probably go even further if they can stay, stay healthy. But again, congratulations to the Bucks.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with what Ben said in terms of injury stuff. I think injuries have been a little bit of a key component for every single series, it seems like. But the Nets, more than most. Um, like Ben said, Harden is not himself. Although, he kind of was himself in Game 7. Uh, he's not very good in Game 7 scenarios. One of the worst... Uh, superstar players we've ever seen in the NBA in terms of game six and game seven scores and efficiency for someone as good as him. And this kind of carried on, but he's going to get a pass because of the hamstring, which I do understand. He was one of many players that played many, many minutes. Uh, I think he played something like, was it 53 minutes? Yeah, which is basically the whole game as well. Durant had 53 minutes. I think you had Yanis on 50 minutes. Bruce Brown played 52 minutes. Chris Middleton played 52. So. This game in Game 7 was an absolute mammoth game. It finished 115-111 to 111, uh, to the Bucks, beating the Nets, unfortunately for you Nets fans. But I just think a lot of it was injuries. Like Ben said, the one of the best shots actually I've ever seen in the playoffs that Durant hit. His foot was on the line, so it meant it was a 2 to tie it and take it to overtime rather than a 3. And I do feel like you could see that Durant really, really wanted to hit a 3 just to end it because he knew how gassed he was. Um, and everyone was gassed. I think overtime finished 6-2 and that was only because of three throws. It was really 4-2 before the last 30 seconds, and I think that kind of highlighted how tired everybody was. There was no real good offense. Duran didn't really take many shots in overtime. He looked very, very tired, and that kind of ended with that final air ball three that he took at the end of the game. Unfortunately, he was just gas. He just didn't have the legs for it, and, and, and I think it was just a, a combination of how many minutes he played across the whole week, to be honest, let alone just this game. But fair play to the Bucs. I think Giannis was amazing since Game 2. Uh, in this game, it was 40 points, 13 rebounds, 5 assists, Um, and he didn't get loads of help off off Drew Holiday, which I think Holiday really needs to improve throughout the next series, but Chris Middleton was kind of a good enough number two in this series with with the Nets injuries, but I agree with Ben, I think next year the Nets, they should be favourites, obviously, I think Durant and Harden had kind of unprecedented injuries for them, I know Durant had the Achilles before, but aside from that he's been relatively healthy, Harden's always been healthy in this year, not quite the case, and it meant a, a bit of a lower seed, and then unfortunately Kyrie goes down again which he kind of always does in the playoffs at the moment um and then Harden again shocking went down as well so yeah I think it was just injuries but a very very good series from the Bucks in the end to come back I didn't think they'd do it and they definitely definitely proved me wrong but for me the star of the series was Kevin Durant as always but just not enough help to get it done and the Bucks advance now last time out we spoke quite a lot about the Western Conference um and we're going to go on to preview the, the final now with the Suns versus the Clippers. Obviously, the Suns, incredible sweep of the Nuggets. Uh, the Clippers with an incredible, incredible shooting night to beat the Jazz in game six with people like Terrence Mann coming alive, scoring, what, over 30 points. I think Reggie Jackson, who's the number one ice scoring in the playoffs at the moment, uh, leading them to victory. But we're going to talk about the Clippers a little bit more in our, our preview, but I want to stick with the Eastern Conference for now. So let's move on to the Hawks versus the 76ers. So this was a tight game six that... The, 76ers won in the end, uh, giving us another Game Seven, which was which was crazy. It was nice to see actually after these playoffs to, to get a couple of Game Sevens because I think we were getting to the point where we were missing those competitive playoff series. But Hawks 76ers certainly was one. Uh, and I'm going to pass back over to our, our voice note from Ben to hear his views on this one.
1: The Hawks and the 76 has finished. If you called this one, you're either a liar or a Hawks fan. There's the only two no one expected this to happen fair play to the hawks they kept at it um trey young although he was shut down sort of games two and three kept grinding they kept finding ways to get him open and he ended up having some great last couple of games there um everybody on the Hawks seemed to step up in this series and played super super well the storyline going forward is Big Ben Simmons what do you do with him he is a defensive matchup nightmare in terms of he can guard anyone and slow them down but offensively he seems to be a liability at the moment I feel sorry for Bede he's had a hell of a season and a hell of a playoffs, considering he was injured as well but look forward to him going away and getting healthy Um, do the 76ers try and trade Ben Simmons (sighs) maybe but um, we have to wait and see on that one it's a shame to see the Sixers going out Um, they're a talented team and it's the best they've looked in a couple of seasons so shame to see them but we have got this energetic Hawks team going forward Um, (laughs) makes my prediction at the beginning of the season that they were going to do well look even better so I'll take that definitely how far can they go? They seem to keep surprising everybody. But uh, another entertaining and unpredictable series from these two. And lucky Sixers, congratulations, Hawks!
0: Yeah, I completely agree with Ben. The official statement that not many people did see this coming. However, with Embiid's injury, I think people kind of saw the series a lot more even than maybe if Embiid was at full health. But Game 7 finished 103, 96 to the Hawks, as Ben kind of made clear that they were the, uh, the victors in this one uh, and, and well deserved it, really, in the end. I know. Ben mentioned Trey Young had a couple of poor games for his standard at the start of the series. Game seven wasn't very good uh, for, for, for his standards in terms of efficiency. He did finish with 21 points, hit a huge three at the end uh, that kind of helped seal the game to be honest. Very good from the free throw line. I think it was like 11 from 11 from the free throw line. So really, really good from the line just to kind of help seal it at the end and, And also with them uh, annoying fouls that people don't like, he had a good one on Dwight Howard where he backed into him and got run over, stuff like that, just to get those extra points ticked along. But it was really Kevin Herter, uh, the red rifle, that was the, the key for the Atlanta Hawks. So he scored 27 points in 40 minutes, very, very efficiently, very good from three. Kept backing down Seth Curry very often, which is kind of what we saw last year, which is the reason why I thought the Mavs trade was good for Richardson. I was wrong, but Seth Curry does get targeted in these playoff series and the Hawks definitely did that. Uh, Danilo Gallinari as well, 17 points in 30 minutes, very good. Defended very well, oh, wow. a couple of key rebounds towards the end of the game, so that was key. But as Ben said, I think the story going forward, aside from the Hawks obviously moving on, which is very, very exciting. They're, they're way ahead of their development, and, and Ben was right. They had a great season. They did better than I thought, um, so fair play to them. But I think the main story is Ben Simmons, uh, 36 minutes tonight, five points overall had to be pulled from the game late because he clearly wasn't going to make any free throws. Um, there's a very, very famous kind of video going around where he had a free dunk, but he ended up kind of dishing it. I think it was to Maxi, uh, who was has a defender draped all over him, ended up getting fouled, and they only made one free throw from that when he had a clear dunk. So I think that kind of shows where Ben Simmons at meant at the moment. Um, and we're probably going to address it a little bit more throughout the off season, obviously with trades and stuff, but for me, I just... I think they're saying all the right things in terms of Simmons staying, but... For me, I think they need to trade him. Uh, and I actually think they probably will trade him. But uh, a couple of sentences that did do well. I think Seth, Seth Curry was very good all series. Uh, Joel B, but the injury, still very good. Got 31-11 in game seven. Kind of tied out towards the end. But I think, A, he's not the most in-shape center in the world. B, he's played a lot of minutes throughout the year. And C, he did have that injury that would have been affecting his play. So I think... That that kind of made the fourth quarter hard of him throughout the series. Needed a bit more help. Didn't get that from Simmons. Didn't really get it from Harris, who missed three or four kind of wide-open layups. Some gimmies underneath the basket. And I think he had a great season, Tobias Harris, for him, but still really not quite worth that contract when you when you see come, come play off time. But but this is kind of about the Hawks now, I think. Great victory for them. Um Nate McMillan's done incredibly well. Trey Young's done incredibly well. Bogdanovich was a worry before the game with the injury, and I think he'll be a worry going forwards. Um, but we're going to kind of preview that series later. But fair play to the Hawks. Incredible win. A lot to think about for the 76ers, but still a very, very entertaining series nonetheless. Right, let's stick with the East End and sticks with those Hawks. Let's go through a little bit of a, a prediction then um, in terms of the Eastern Conference Finals, I believe, which do start... Uh, I think it's on Wednesday evening they start UK time. 1.30 tip off is game one. Let's pass back over to Ben again. We can get his thoughts and, and kind of prediction initially on this matchup.
1: With those two series done, it obviously leads us on to the Eastern Conference final. Wow. What a matchup this is. No one expected this. I certainly didn't. The Bucks, maybe. But the Hawks in the Eastern Conference Final. Incredible. Obviously, you've got to look at key points in this one. Do the Hawks have anyone to slow Giannis down? Mm, In my opinion, no, not really. Um, But what the Hawks can do is perhaps take away the rest of the team, stop these guys from shooting threes. Uh, I mean you would say said they haven't really got anyone to stop Joel Embiid but it didn't seem to matter in the previous series so they've obviously got a tactic that can work against these teams with a, a real standout kind of big player um, and the rest of the role players around them as I said for the Bucks Middleton and Holiday do need to step up Drew Holiday certainly on the defensive end working against Trey Young although he's just come off the back of trying to get around Ben Simmons so He's probably used to being guarded quite tightly up to this point. Giannis has really got to work early, as he's been doing in the first three quarters, but keep it consistent throughout that fourth as well. Middleton needs to find his, his stride again. Um, he needs to be scoring 20-plus. Definitely, definitely at the moment with Bogdanovich and Galinari on a bit of a tear that they're on, helping Trey Young out. And that's where we talk about the Hawks. They are obviously centred around Trey Young, but everybody seems to be contributing. Whether it's the bigs, whether it's the, the wings, everybody seems to be hitting shots when they need to. Gallinari had a big game off the bench in that final game there. It's just the consistency with this Hawks team. Yeah, it can be a little bit all over the place. He can have a really good game, a really terrible game. Uh but you could say that about the Bucks as well. This is definitely lining up to be an interesting Eastern Conference final. I feel like both teams are going to be coming off the back of really hard-fought series. Um, Giannis looked absolutely shattered at the end of that Game 7. Um, I'm sure Trey Young's probably feeling the same. However, if I'm going to make a prediction now, I think it's going six games, and the Bucks are going to be the Eastern Conference champions.
0: And there we have it. Ben is going with the Bucks. Um, I can't disagree actually with most of what he said. I'm I'm going to try and not to repeat too much of what he said and talk about some other kind of keys. Um, going back to the length of games, though, obviously both coming off uh, seven games. Trey Young, icing his shoulder heavily um, ever since Game 3, to be honest, but especially in Game 6 and 7. Every time he's out, he's icing and heating that shoulder up before he gets back into the game, so we don't know how bad that really is. Bogdanovich did not look good at all in Game 7. That knee injury does not look ideal. Um, They haven't said what it is. It's obviously soreness and I suffer with, with, with tender Nights quite badly in my knees. So I wonder if it's that because he really like he struggled to jump for his jump shots and he was kind of taking them flat-footed and a lot were falling short. And I think that's a worry for the Hawks and they're going to need him to score well, especially in the games where Trey doesn't. And if this goes 5, 6 or 7, uh, I don't necessarily think that Trey's going to have kind of hugely efficient games uh, with high numbers every single night. I think scoring while Drew Holiday will have a couple of games where he can kind of slow him down or make him score inefficiently at least. And there the you need Bogdanovich to, to do his thing. And yes, Herta can do it as well. But I think that Bogdanovich is a little bit better at finding his own shot and creating for others, whereas Herta can be a little bit more of a score-first guy. Um, and he can do a little bit of different things. You saw that against the 76ers for sure. But I think Bogdanovich may be key. Uh, and if he's not healthy, though, I think Herta will have to take that burden because I can't see many other people doing it uh, with the kind of roster construction that the Hawks have. But like Ben said, it's just amazing that the Hawks are even here. Um, I think their kind of front office is one of the best in the league or had one of the best years in the league. They've built this team perfectly. I really think if Hunter was fit, maybe the series would be even harder to call, to be honest, because I think he's instrumental on defense. Um, but, yeah, I just think the Hawks need, need their role players to, to help Trey out a little bit and hopefully Bogdanovich is healthy. Or if it takes some time to get healthy, Hertha has to kind of make up that that difference. But from a Bucks point of view... Um, I think that Giannis will obviously obviously be key. I think Capello will try and guard him to a point. Uh, I think we'll contest him at the rim fairly well, but I think uh, Giannis can get him in foul trouble early and often. They're going to hack him as well, so he's going to have to hit his free throws a little bit better than he did at times, I think, in the next series. But like Ben said, Chris Mudson will be key. I think scoring efficiently and effectively from three-point will be vital. Both of these teams give up a lot of three-point shots, actually. So, we're going to see a lot of three points attempted. I just think making them, as always, in the NBA is going to be vital to, to find out whoever's going to actually win this series. Drew Holiday, I do think, we will have to exert a lot of energy defensively. So maybe we're not going to get huge nights from him. But I really think he needs 15 to 20 points, five assists every single night. I don't think you can kind of win this series without that. Um, and then a player like Brook Lopez, who guards him? kind of Does he kind of stand out in the corner a little bit like he did against the Nets in Game 7 to kind of draw out more space for Giannis? I think probably. Um I think they'll have a decision to to make with who guards him and especially in switch years. I know Gallo will probably guard him at times on the floor for sure, but Brooks should uh, be able to to overpower him, at least on the rebounds. But I do think it's an interesting series. I think we'll have some high scoring games for sure. Um and I think I think Giannis will be feeling very confident after being Kevin Durant in the game seven, regardless of how you see that game, like I do, with Durant obviously being the best player on the right well, in, in the world, best player on the floor, best player in the series. But I think Janus will get some confidence from actually beating him in that environment. So I think that could be key for them. But I am excited for this series in terms of prediction. Unfortunately, I have to copy Ben. I was debating between Bucks and six and seven. Uh, I do think Giannis is really, really going to uh, going to dominate this game. And Bogdanovich's knee injury does worry me for the first couple of games. But I think one final key for the series for the Bucs to get it in six, will be to try and win both the first two games. Obviously, home court advantage. I don't think you can let this Hawks team roll. They won the first game in Philly. They won the first game in New York. And I think it just gives them confidence and, and helps them kind of settle into a series. So I think it'd be key for the Bucs to win to win both of the first two games in Milwaukee. But I'm going to go Bucks in six. The Hawks kind of fairy tale ends here. But what a se- season it'll be. And the Bucks move on to the finals. And, and maybe Coach Bud can keep his job. We shall see. And now that leads us on to the Western Conference Finals. Um, due to time of recording, we've actually missed game one of this. I think game two is going to be uh, recorded just after this podcast comes out as well. So in terms of the series, game one, the Suns won 120 to 114. Devin Booker had a triple, 40-point a triple-double, first of his career, first well, in the playoffs, sorry. Uh, absolutely incredible performance, looked electric. Obviously, Chris Paul did not play, like we mentioned in the last podcast, due to the coronavirus rules. Looks like he is obviously... Picked up COVID like we thought. Um, He's going to be out for game two as well. Kawhi Leonard didn't play due to this ACL injury. Apparently, it's more of a knee sprain, ACL sprain. It isn't an ACL tear, apparently. Uh, they're still, hopefully, he'll come back at some point. But he is also out for game two. So they both missed game one. They're both going to miss game two. Like I said, the Suns did take game one. Um, I just thought Booker was absolutely tremendous. And to be honest, it was actually one of the the, the more fun games in the playoffs. It's one of the, the games I've enjoyed the most, I think three point wise they were crazy but Aiton obviously not a three point shooter at all but he was vital nine rebounds 20 points made the Clippers have to play some of their bigs like Cousins got minutes here Zubach got minutes here and that is key to this team winning I think making the Clippers play big at times uh, just will be vital for for the Phoenix on success and they definitely managed to do that in this game in terms of the Clippers uh, Terrence Mann cooled down a little bit so did Marcus Morris but Reggie Jackson, 24 points. Paul George, 34 points. Both did not cool down. They were shooting very, very well. Uh, Rondo, Zubac, Cousins, not very good. Uh, there's some points there. Like Cousins got 11 points, which looks good for someone who doesn't normally play. But if you watch the games, defensively, they were poor. Rotations weren't great. Uh, and they kind of got out of the flow of their offense when they had a big in there. So that's a little bit of a worry. But I think overall, the Clippers had like 36 hours notice between a crazy game six against the Jazz and then game one of this, whereas the Suns had like over a week of rest. So I do think the Clippers were quite tired. Uh, They had a chance to win it with the way they are playing. They were up in the fourth quarter, but the Suns rallied around Booker and came through with the victory, um, which I think is key for them and the Clippers will be disappointed. But overall, uh, with the situation, they won't be too disheartened in that one or try and win game two for sure. But let's pass over to Ben to to hear his thoughts on the series as, as a whole
1: finally over to our western conference where we've got the clippers playing the suns an interesting matchup no Kawhi leonard on the one side no chris paul on the other side however he is expected to return at some point potentially during the series certainly for the finals uh, the suns take game one with a massive massive scoring performance from Devin booker 40 points um, wasn't a huge win though quite a close game Paul George hitting threes all over the place um, as were many of the other Kippers as well they tried to combat the Suns sort of inside and outside presence by giving to Marcus Cousins a few more minutes which played quite well um, offensively at least defensively looked a bit sluggish at points um, especially on rotations so some adjustments to be made from the Kippers but as we've seen Throughout this series so far They are the king of, of, uh, of adjustments They seem to Well Take a two game hole And climb all the way back out of it But they have had Kawhi Leonard At least at the start If not all the way through the series That they've done that in So can Paul George do it on his own With the rest of the roster That remains to be seen Especially if Chris Paul returns now this this Suns team is on an absolute tear at the moment Um, they've knocked off some big opposition this season Um, and in the playoffs and they don't seem to be slowing down or stopping I saw a quote from Jake Rowder his brother was on the sideline calling out tactical information and ideas and he thinks Chris Paul was texting him from home watching the game and giving him some pointers Um, so I dread to think how much better this Suns team is going to continue to get when he returns. It's going to be a really, really well fought out series. Poor George versus Devon Booker. But I feel like when Chris Paul returns, he's going to be the difference maker if he makes it back for this series. If he does make it back for the series, I think the Suns take this fairly handedly. The Suns in five games. If he doesn't return, I give the Clippers maybe a game or two more so but i still think the suns are taking it i'll give them an extra game we'll say suns in six if chris paul doesn't return so that's my thoughts on the western conference final which would mean a bucks suns final that would be interesting speak
0: to you all soon. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That would be very, very interesting. Uh, I like a lot of Ben's thoughts. I I think he's been a little bit kind of underplaying the the Paul George side of this. I think he just looked like Indiana Paul George. Um, He's been incredible the last five games. Uh, It's almost like when Kawhi isn't there and he has to be more aggressive, which is what we're annoyed about when Kawhi's there and he's not being assertive offensively. But when Kawhi's not there, he seems to be so, so much more assertive offensively and he's such a smooth offensive player and he is a really good defender. He defended... Uh, the Suns very well at times, like Mikael Bridges' campaign, switches stuff like that. So Paul George will be obviously <laughs> a key to the series. Um, ben didn't know at time of recording that that uh, CP three will miss game two, so he will miss game two. So I do think the Clippers really do need to take game two. I think even though Kawhi is also out, I just think you can't let the Suns go two up without Paul. With kind of a lot of rumors surfacing that Paul will be back in game three or four. Uh, I don't think you want to go 2-0 down without Chris Paul on the floor. I'm not saying they can't do it. Obviously, they come back from 2-0 down in both the other series, so they could do it. Um, But I think they they really, really need to try and win game two, if they can. Uh, But going back to Kawhi Leonard, I think everything you hear, Bill Simmons reporting on his podcast, you had Zach Lowe reporting that there's some hope that he will return. Uh, There's more of a a strain. Uh, NFL Pro Doc, which is a kind of injury account on Twitter, said that it's normally like a two- to three-week injury. I think game four would pretty much fall in that timeline if he had to come back by then. I think Kawhi will try and gut it out at some point. Maybe it is Game 4, not Game 3, but we're going to have to see. See how the series goes. I think if the Clippers can win an early game and, and kind of elongate the series a bit, that'll only do him and them the, the world of good. So let's let's kind of see how that goes. But in terms of other matchups, obviously people that we know will play, uh, Booker will have to score very well. I think without Chris Paul, he'll have to score more. I think he will need 30-plus every single night for them to probably win games. Uh, Jay Crowder and Mikel Bridge need to hit those threes because the Clippers are shooting the three at an incredible rate at the moment as a team and their role players are doing so very efficiently so I think that they will be key I think Aitum continuing his progress from from game one just making sure the Clippers have to stay big at some point is vital and kind of on the other side I think the Clippers trying as much to stay small as they can will also be vital but I know Marcus Morris picked a bit of a knock which is one of the reasons why they had to kind of throw a traditional centre in there a little bit more often, but hopefully he can be healthy, Uh, and they can go a little bit smaller, and that's the only way you're going to cause the Suns issues. I think every time you put a big out there, Devin Booker's going to put him in pick and rolls. So in terms of prediction then, obviously Suns are already 1-0 up. Um, Unfortunately, a bit of a boring kind of uh, matchup here with Ben. We are going to pick the same finals. I'm going to pick the Suns just. I think if Kawhi was healthy already, I would be picking the Clippers, unfortunately, I think. If he was there for all seven games, I'd be picking the Clippers in seven. But I'm going to pick, I think, the Suns in seven. I think we're going to get a game seven in Phoenix that Chris Paul wins, and it's kind of one of the shine lights of his career before he goes on to the finals against the Milwaukee Bucks. So, yeah, I think we get a game seven. I think Kawhi will come back in probably game four. I think Paul draw, uh, sorry, Chris Paul will come back in game three or four. Uh, And I think it will go long. I think it will go seven. Um, But the Clippers really try and need to win game two. So that's going to be huge. But, yeah, I will go with the Suns as well. Suns-Bucks final will be absolutely crazy. I'd love to see Chris Paul there. Um, But I think the Clippers, uh, don't write them off. I think the the quicker Kawhi comes back, obviously, the bigger a chance they have. But, yeah, I will go Suns in seven. Right, now, moving along... From the playoffs, there is obviously another side of the NBA and that is tanking and that is the draft and that is the draft lottery. The draft lottery, one of the kind of most unique events in sports, uh, especially for us UK NBA fans. It's not something we're, we're kind of used to over here in the UK and it's a very, very huge event in America. Uh, as of time of recording, the draft lottery is tonight, Tuesday, the 22nd of June. I think the actual lottery will start at 1.30am. Uh, they have a bit of a pre-show. But for anyone that doesn't know, which I'm sure everyone listening to this does, draft lottery will help determine, well, will determine the odds of the draft selections come draft night, uh, who gets what pick. and uh, before we go on to uh, I kind of we did it last year, it was a bit of a random prediction. Obviously, you yeah, have literally nothing to go on, it's completely random. We're both gonna predict to our top five and see how many in the top five we get right and see if how many we get in the right order. But before, let's just kind of talk about the whole draft lottery as a whole and um, talk about some of the odds and some of the connotations. So draft lottery obviously involves the uh, teams that didn't make the, pl- uh, the playoffs, so up to Golden State at number 14. In terms of the odds, then I'll read them out, and these are the projected odds uh, of them getting the first overall pick, so we'll start in reverse order. So Golden State have a 0.5% chance with their own pick of getting the first pick. The Pacers have a 1% chance. The Spurs, 1.7%. The Hornets are 1.8% chance. The Pelicans are 4.5% chance. The Kings are 4.5% chance. The Magic, a uh, set uh, yeah 4.5% chance as well, coming from uh, Chicago. That's the Chicago pick. Toronto, 7.5% chance. Golden State have a 9% chance again with the Minnesota pick, but obviously it could go to Minnesota, which we'll talk about in a minute. Cleveland, 11.5%. OKC, okay, 11.5%. And the top three all have the same odds. They all have 14%. So we have Orlando with their own pick, 14% chance. The Pistons, a 14% chance. And the Houston Rockets, also a 14% chance. And those top three teams also have a 52% chance of remaining in the top four overall, which is really, really key for this draft. But they're kind of... Uh, they're, they're the odds, the lottery odds are, that they're going to be key tonight. And in terms of like some interesting storylines, I guess... Just some teams that I want to pick out. So Houston have a 47.9% chance of losing their pick. So OKC. see it's that first pick. And I believe it's out of the top four. So they would then lose that pick and instead they were picking at 18. So that would be absolutely crucial. Another one, uh, Chicago will keep their pick if it lands in the top four. If it doesn't land in the top four, then it will go to the Magic. And the Magic could have easily have two top five, easily not two top ten picks in the draft. So it's going to be key to see where that lands. OKC okay, so could quite easily end up with two top five picks as well with the, uh, the Houston pick. So it'll be interesting to see if they could get number one and number five, which is percentage-wise is a possibility, uh, quite a large one. Um, so we'll see with that. And Minnesota, the other key team, they have a 62.8% chance of actually losing their pick to Golden State because they won some games at the end of the year. If that pick is, I think, later than number four, they uh, it goes to Golden State. And most likely percentage chance, it'll be number six or number seven. So a huge chance that that pick can go to Golden State. But everybody loves the lottery. I think anybody who follows a team that's not amazing, you kind of the lottery is one of the things that gives you hope for the future. Very key to the draft. This is a very very top heavy draft Uh, in terms of talent. It's deep. It's deep in terms of the top heavy talent. So I think the first six or seven picks are going to be really really crucial. And there's some good depth as well. But I think this is different to last year. There's some real stars at the top end of that draft. So you really want to be trying to win the lottery. But now, let's kind of look at predicting who we think is going to finish in that top five of the lottery tonight. And now, unfortunately, we don't have a voice note from Ben, so we can't hear his beautiful breathing down his, uh, his phone for you all, unfortunately. Uh, but he has sent me his top five order, so we're going to uh, kick it off. We will start with who he thinks is going to get the first overall pick. Uh, And, again, I'll do the same in a second, then we'll see how many we get right tonight. Everybody knows, completely random. Uh, We did this last year, and Ben actually got the first pick and the third pick right. Uh, I got second and fifth, so he he won last year. So first overall pick, he's going to Detroit. um, And he said narrative-wise, he just thinks it would work really well uh, as they get the number one pick, and they don't really have many assets outside um, of Killian Hayes, obviously. Um, and they have a lot less prospect compared to some others in this kind of top 10, top 14 list. So he's going to go with the Detroit Pistons, getting the number one pick. Uh, number two, is going OKC with their own pick. Number three would be Houston. Uh, and I believe that would stay with Houston because it's top four protected. So they would keep their pick in that instance. Number four, he would have Orlando. Uh, again, that is their own pick, uh, not the one, obviously, from... Uh, from the Bulls, uh, and then pick five. He had to get his own team in, didn't he? He's gone with the Cavs, picking up five. Uh, and that would be an interesting in list, really, uh, mixed between East and West, which is nice, and we don't all tend t- to keep going to the West like it seems to every year at the moment. But I think overall that would be quite fun. Loads of small markets there, um, which is very, very interesting. But that is Ben's order. My order now. Uh, I use a tankathon simulator. I did run it a couple of times to see different connotations and kind of think a what I it to happen and b. I kind of wanted to try and guess a couple of things that I think would happen. So one of the key things outside the top five, uh, I think that Chicago's pick does go to Orlando. So I had them at eight. And I think Minnesota's pick does go to Golden State at pick number seven as well. So that would be the two kind of interesting ones there. But in terms of top five, number one, first pick, probably Cade Cunningham. I've gone with the Orlando Magic. Uh, I just think it would be kind of a funny end to the story after that tank. After all, a lot of fans hated the Vooch trade. If they end up getting the number eight pick and the number one pick, I think it would be incredible for the franchise. They've been kind of middling for a long time, so I think it would be really interesting for them. Uh, number two, I've gone with the OKC with their own pick, so same as Ben. We've got the same team going in number two. I just think that the amount of picks they've got, they've got four picks in the top 33 this year. I think they just have to get a top pick eventually. Uh, and I think, they, for me, they're going to get going to get a top three pick i've gone with number two for this one uh i've gone with ben's detroit in number three so dropping down one in the odds um i just think it would kind of sum their luck up a little bit uh at the moment as a franchise that are struggling so i've gone with them i've gone with the raptors in four to come up a few places mainly because i'm a no dunks fan and it'd be hilarious to see the guys live on their broadcast with the raptors winning the lottery and going up and then fifth, I've gone with OKC again. So Houston actually dropped four places and they lose their pick and it makes that uh, Russell Westbrook trade to the Rockets look even worse. OKC get two picks in the top five. Uh, Ben's Cavs would be six in that case. So I kind of wanted to make them fall out a little bit just to annoy Ben. But that would be my top five in order. So Magic, OKC, Detroit, Toronto and OKC again with the Houston pick. So that would be uh, my predictions on, on tonight's draft lottery. And that kind of wraps up this episode uh, now. Obviously, as I said, Ben going with the Pistons getting the number one pick. I'm going to go with the Magic getting the number one pick. We are both going Bucks in six. Ben is going Phoenix in five or six. Uh, I'm going to go Phoenix in seven. So that are our predictions from today's podcast. Uh, Me and Ben will be back. We're going to hope Sunday or Monday uh, of this coming week. But Joe Holbert amazing mavs writer t Wolves fan been on the pod loads of times he's going to come on the podcast on thursday we're going to break down all the games so far in the conference finals at that point we're going to get him to talk a little bit about what he thinks is going to happen throughout the rest of the conference finals predict his nba champion uh, and then we're also going to talk to him about some kind of major topics across the league such as will ben simmons be traded which star should they try and pair with luca um Will Bradley Beal get traded? Things like that. We're going to kind of look at the league as a whole. Maybe a couple of coaches as well. So we're going to have Joe on on Thursday. That will go live Thursday night. Uh, and then me and Ben will be back Sunday or Monday, hopefully, to, to review everything in the NBA. And I'm sure there will be news uh, as well then. So let's kind of sign it off now and make sure everyone enjoys all the games coming up. We've got a uh, Western Conference game tonight, Eastern game tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be a fun, fun week in the NBA. And shout out to all those fan bases still alive in the playoffs. And we will speak to you soon mm